Good morning and welcome to this, the second day of the Federalist Society's National Lawyers Convention. This is, I don't mind telling you since you're all here, the single best day of the convention. So thank you one and all for joining us for this special early morning address. It's very good to see so many of you here this morning. We have an eventful day planned for you today. Tonight, the Vice President, later today, Governor Haley Barber and Secretary Michael Chertoff. Also, panel debates on executive power in wartime, civil rights in the 21st century, the proper role of state AGs, law firm and diversity hiring, ABA accreditation of law schools, and much, much more. But to begin our day, we are very pleased to welcome Judiciary Committee Chairman Senator Arlen Specter. We here at the Federalist Society place a great deal of emphasis and importance on the role of the judiciary. So I'm going to introduce Senator Specter in that context. One of my favorite parts of the Federalist Society's mission statement, or statement of purpose, and I believe this was mentioned last night, reads, it is emphatically the province and duty of the judiciary to say what the law is, not what it should be. Unfortunately, this is not a self-executing provision. It takes just the right people in the black robes to help make this statement a reality. And in this regard, we owe Senator Specter a considerable, a considerable debt of gratitude, for he can be credited with a tremendous and unparalleled, indeed, and historic accomplishment. That, of course, is the confirmation of two U.S. Senators, I'm sorry, two U.S. Supreme Court justices in the space of six months' time. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Samuel Alito. In fact, it was due to the leadership of Senator Specter that we were last night at our banquet able to hear from Justice Samuel Alito rather than Judge Samuel Alito. Senator Specter ran a very tight ship before and during both confirmation hearings, controlling everything with seeming ease while preserving collegiality with all members of the Judiciary Committee. If you follow the hearings, and I'm sure you did, and the exchanges that took place between the announcement of each nomination and the subsequent confirmation, you will recall that Senator Specter was unflappable, unflinching, and unyielding when it came to making certain that the nominees got fair hearings. From the beginning of each confirmation process, it was clear that the hearings would be run openly and expeditiously. The Roberts confirmation took only 10 weeks. The Alito confirmation, which included the Christmas break, only slightly longer at 13 weeks. Senator Specter's superior management skills, tact, and tenacious perseverance were clearly in evidence throughout and should not be forgotten. He was indeed the cooler head that prevailed. And happily, the effects of Senator Specter's leadership will be felt on the court for decades to come. Please join me in welcoming Senator Arlen Specter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's uh, more applause than I can remember receiving. I uh, infer that uh, most of it is for Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Alito, but thank you. <laughs> I make it a point whenever I begin to speak to take off my watch and 
conspicuously place it on the podium to give my audience a false sense of security that I, <laughs> that I will pay attention to the time, but I really will and reserve time for questions and answers, which I understand to be your format. I appreciate that very nice introduction, uh, Dean. I was uh, especially interested in your statement about the confirmation of two senators. <laughs> I would like to see two senators uh, someplace other than the United States Senate, so long, <laughs> so long as they are Democrats, to give us a majority. But uh, it would be too high a price to pay to confirm them to the Supreme Court. But, <laughs> but I, I would certainly be amenable to confirming them to uh, a district court. <laughs> so maybe we can work out a, an arrangement on that uh, at a later time. Uh, the. Uh, confirmations of uh, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Alito are obviously of enormous importance. Uh, I think it is accurate to say that the confirmation of uh, justice is uh, the most important thing the Senate does with the possible exception of a declaration of war. And to have uh, Chief Justice Roberts in there at uh, 50 with the prospect of uh, decades of service uh, Justice Stevens is now 86, and uh, Justice uh, Alito at uh, 55, it's, uh, it's a hallmark. It certainly was the highlight of uh, the judiciary activity during my chairmanship, and uh, it may turn out to be uh, the highlight, certainly one of the highlights of the administration of President Bush, beyond uh, any question. We had, uh, we had lively hearings uh, uh, when... Uh, uh, Chief Justice Roberts was up. Uh, uh, Senator Biden uh, uh, went on and on and on, not uncharacteristically. <laughs> One of the fascinating parts about questioning by senators is that when most senators finish the so-called question, there are any one of six, eight, or ten responses that can be given and be uh, responsive. Uh, there's a it's not a very complicated art to ask a single question. If you ask a single question, you might move in the direction that you'd like to find out some information as opposed to one which can be responded to in many, many ways. And then uh, to listen to the answer, another uh, principle totally ignored in the Senate. <laughs> I, I've, I'm serious about this. I've come, I've come to think that it's a violation of the Senate canons of ethics to listen to an answer. But you recall he, Senator Biden wouldn't let Chief Justice Roberts answer the questions. And I, I believe the senators ought to have a lot of latitude when they ask questions. But there comes an end point where they have to permit a response. And I said, Senator Biden, let the... Uh, let, uh, Judge Roberts answered the question. He said, but he's giving misleading answers. <laughs> so I said, well, you may think so, but, but they're his answers. Let him, let him answer the question. Uh, during the confirmation proceeding of Judge Alito, you may recall that Senator Kennedy got confused. 
He thought he thought he was the chairman. <laughs> and right in the middle of a key part of the questioning, he interrupts and says, uh, I want a subpoena. I want a subpoena for uh, the records of Samuel Alito when he was at Princeton. And I responded saying, well, if you really want a subpoena, as opposed to a grandstand play, why didn't you ask me about it when we were in the quarter earlier this morning? Uh, I never see Senator Kennedy in the Senate gym. <laughs> the, the, rumor, the rumor is that Senator Kennedy hasn't been in the Senate gym since the Johnson administration. <laughs> That's the Andrew Johnson administration. <laughs> but uh, we, got, uh, we got through it, and uh, we got them confirmed, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a, a great thing for the court. Uh, President Bush called up and said, uh, Arlen, uh, uh, when do I get my next pick? We got them through, and he called it a pick. And I said, well, I can't exactly tell you, Mr. President, about that. I can't tell you that's up to uh, higher authority or highest authority as to when that will happen, but uh, uh, it will be uh, uh, an extraordinary event um, to see how it will unfold, and I have it very much on my mind as to what will happen if we have a vacancy. Uh, I think you cannot have an eight-person court because that would result in a lot of four-to-four -four decisions. And uh, the Democrats will be put to the test. And uh, uh, it is, uh, it is uh, an eventuality that we have to, we have to be concerned about. Uh, we had some uh, uh, progress on the judges. We got uh, through uh, Judge uh, Bill Pryor. had been held up. We got through Janice Rogers Brown. We got through uh, Priscilla Owens. Uh, we had to give Brett Kavanaugh a second hearing, a little flexibility. We uh, got him through. Uh, the questioning by uh, Senator Schumer on uh, 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 Judge Kavanaugh, I thought, uh, was beyond the pale and was practically like rehabilitating a witness in a, in a trial after uh, Schumer uh, muddied the waters. Uh, Josh Bolton told me a few days after we had that hearing that he got home from the White House very late, about 11.30, and he turned on TV and did a little surfing and came to C-SPAN. Uh, they usually play the C-SPAN with the Judiciary Committee when I'm on about 3 a.m. I, I have an enormous following among America's insomniacs. <laughs> but Bolton said it was about 11.30, and he said he couldn't turn it off, couldn't turn it off. It was so... Uh, it was so engrossing, but we got uh, Kavanaugh through, and now we uh, ought to get Peter Kiesler through. Uh, even the Washington Post says that uh, says that uh, we. Uh, I had thought we'd be in only a week. That was the rumor when the Democrats won that we'd be here only a week, and now we're going to be in the week of the fourth and the week of the eleventh. So I'm going to go ahead and put back. Uh, uh, on the list, uh, Michael Wallace, whom I talked to last night, and, uh, and the others whom the President has uh, nominated. Uh, uh, I am not uh, optimistic, as I told Mike last night. Mike expressed his appreciation for 
what we've done so far. Uh, I questioned him at uh, some length, about 30 minutes on his confirmation hearing, and uh, uh, brought out all of his uh, exemplary record. I wanted it all on the table before uh, anybody else had a chance to question him. Uh, that's a good. That's a big advantage of being the chairman, by the way. You get the you get the first chance to question. You can set the table. You can set uh, you can set the stage. Uh, but the president has exercised his constitutional authority to nominate and uh, uh, send them back to the Senate, and we're going to take them up in regular order. And if the uh, Democrats want to obstruct them, as they uh, have the power to do in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, that's uh, that's their call. But uh, uh, there'll be another election, and uh, uh, they held uh, – the voters of South Dakota held uh, Senator Daschle accountable for uh, uh, his uh, obstructionism, and uh, that's something that, uh, that they have to keep in mind when they, uh, uh, when they uh, undertake whatever it is they want to do. And it's very much in my mind as to we work through the strategy and work through the approach as to how we, how we handle them. Uh, we had uh, uh, a good confirmation hearing on uh, 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 Attorney General Gonzalez. Uh, we got him off the stand at uh, 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, that, by the way, is the secret to getting a nominee confirmed. Get him on and off the stand. If uh, John Bolton had uh, had a one-day hearing, he would now be the confirmed ambassador to the U.N., but if they drag on and on and on, that just works to the detriment of the, uh, uh, of the nominee. Uh, we're still going to deal with uh, Bolton this term. I don't know quite what will happen. The pretty tough situation in a uh, lame duck session as short as it is. I was on one of the Sunday talk shows last uh, week with uh, Schumer, and the question came up about uh, the Democrats confirmed Gates and uh, Senator Schumer pontificated um, about the uh, president ought to have great discretion when he has uh, foreign policy and defense matters. And when my term came, I said, I think the Schumer doctrine is a really uh, valid doctrine. Let's just apply it to Bolton. And uh, <laughs> Schumer quickly retreated. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to see Schumer in retreat. Is this being broadcast on television? I, I, I want you to know that everything I'm saying here is off the record. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had some uh, uh, interesting legislative matters. We got uh, out class action reform, which had languished for years. Uh, we, got, we got the bankruptcy code uh, uh, out, revised. That had also languished for years and years. Uh, uh, for the first time, we got uh, asbestos uh, out of committee and onto the floor, and uh, we faced uh, opposition by the trial lawyers on asbestos reform, and uh, I don't know what the future of that will be, uh, but I'm going to press uh, the new majority leader to take it up, see if we can't, uh, can't deal with that issue. Senator Hatch had a great idea on the, on the trust fund concept, and uh, uh, we're going to be pushing there and uh, in many, many other directions. Well, I'm up to the 12-minute mark, and that's about as long as any speech ought to be. So I'd be uh, glad to respond to questions, and as I always immediately add, I'd be glad not to respond to questions. Thank you, Senator.
Thank you very much, Senator Specter. In the, in the green room, in advance of the talk, the senator advised that he would take questions, but he wouldn't answer them. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, but if, if we could keep the questions brief, please. Uh, authorizing some military commissions and stripping some habeas corpus jurisdiction. Some senators, including yourself, questioned the constitutionality of that act, but nevertheless supported it. Can you please give us some thoughts on the role of senators interpreting the constitutionality of acts as opposed to the role of courts in that matter? Uh, Sure. Uh, The uh, senators have... uh, uh, a duty to uphold the Constitution beyond any question. Uh, And when you face a a statute as complicated as uh, the one on war crimes, uh, there are a lot of factors involved. Uh, I was explicit in my doubts about the constitutionality of the habeas corpus provision because the Constitution is explicit that uh, habeas corpus can be suspended only in time of invasion or rebellion. And it was admitted that we have uh, neither of those. And the Supreme Court in Hamden had held that uh, detainees, uh, not citizens, were entitled to the constitutional protection of, uh, of habeas corpus. If we had uh, rejected the entire bill on the basis of that provision uh, being unconstitutional, we would not have had a mechanism for trying uh, the war criminals, which I consider to be very, very important. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8 says Congress decides what happens to people captured on land or or sea. And uh, I made a judgment that uh, the act ought to be passed. It was severable. And uh, uh, if I was right about uh, the unconstitutionality, and it's one man's opinion, uh, the court would uh, make that determination. We'd have the balance of the act. If we hadn't passed it, and it had gone over to next year, uh, it would be the spring before we take it up. And we've got a lot of people we need to try. So that was, uh, that was my judgment uh, as to how I handled it. Good morning, Senator. Good morning. Senator McConnell said last night at our dinner that he was going to use such powers as the minority has to try to force votes on the president's judicial nominees. If a Democratic-controlled Judiciary Committee votes down a nominee party line 10-9, is that the ball game, or do Republicans have a means to try to force votes to the floor? Well, the, you have a uh, discharge petition, but uh, it's un- doubtful if uh, that would succeed unless we brought some Democrats over. Uh, uh, they, uh, they're in a position to uh, uh, effectively obstruct. Uh, but they've uh, been in the position to effectively obstruct in any event uh, uh, with the filibusters, which they uh, undertook. Uh, but there comes a point in the political process where uh, uh, they may determine that their uh, political disadvantages outweigh their obstructionism. And that's what you have to, what you have to move for. Uh, you have to, uh, in the political context, in my opinion, Uh, present a reasonable approach, uh, both uh, substantively and in appearance, uh, so that the public is with you. Uh, We we accommodated the Democrats on the confirmation hearings on on many matters, on uh, on scheduling matters, for example, or when it came to having the uh, uh, witnesses, the outside witnesses. They don't really weigh very much, so that if you 
make a concession there where there's no, uh, no substantive disadvantage. And the public sees that. And, and the public sees the way that I accommodated Senator Leahy. And we didn't have any arguments or any fights, and he'd say something, and if I could accommodate him, uh, 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 I would. And uh, if, if, if there's no reciprocity there, and if they become obstructionists, uh, uh, they run the risk of paying a price. So that's, uh, that's the strategy that you have to employ. And uh, we've got some, uh, some cards. We've got some aces up uh, our sleeves. Thank you. You held some hearings earlier this year on the Thompson Memorandum um, and the question of the Department of Justice's tactics uh, in uh, uh, compelling companies to waive privilege in, in investigations. Do you um, have foresee bringing legislation on that soon, and um, what prospects do you think it would have of getting through? Uh, the question is about uh, uh, the Department of Justice policy on the so-called Thompson Memorandum of uh, calling for a waiver of attorney-client privilege. Uh, and if it is not waived, that's a factor in charging. And also that uh, corporations should not pay counsel fees for their executives. Uh, I think that's a bad policy. Uh, said so. Uh, had a hearing on it. Uh, the deputy attorney general came in. Uh, there was a decision by a federal court in uh, New York saying that uh, you couldn't uh, disallow counsel fees, uh, and uh, uh, I believe we're going to find a, an amicable resolution of that. I think there's going to be a modification of the Thompson Memorandum. The, uh, you, have to be, you have to be very careful uh, on the balance uh, as to how you approach these matters. I was district attorney for eight years, and I, Philadelphia, a rough, tough town, 30,000 crimes, 500 homicides, a lot of official corruption, a lot of vote fraud. Uh, but people have rights. You have a right to an attorney. And uh, uh, you can't, uh, I don't think you can coerce a uh, uh, giving up the attorney-client privilege. And I think the Justice Department is now prepared to, to recede very substantially, and I think they're going to totally alter the policy on, uh, on council fees. I may have said a little too much, but I do that from time to time, <laughs> sometimes to my disadvantage. Do we have time for one more question? Sure. Uh, good morning, Senator. Uh, I guess I, I have a two-part question, but it's short and they're related. Uh, the first is, uh, as the, the current chair of the uh, Judiciary Committee, do you have any, um, you know, it's of course the president's prerogative to pick a Supreme Court nominee, but did you have any thoughts yourself on who might be suitable nominees? And relatedly, how do you feel about Senator Schumer's suggestion that perhaps you might be an appropriate uh, Supreme Court nominee? Well, that's the only decent idea Schumer's had in a... <laughs> The only decent idea he's had in a decade. Uh, uh, I, I don't really think I'm in the running for that, uh, that particular position. Uh, uh, I was under consideration, according to the Nixon tapes in 1971. That would have been a, that would have been a better time. Uh, uh, and uh, who, uh, who uh, the nominee should be? I think that when you're chairman of the Judiciary Committee, it's a good idea 
uh, not to venture forth on, on that line. And I discussed that with the president, and uh, he liked the idea of my not making a recommendation. <laughs> He, he, he liked the idea, and although advice and consent is separate, and you could give advice and still have your independence on consenting, I think it's a, it's a better idea to, uh, uh, to stay out of that. Uh, Senator Reid got involved in a recommendation, and then he retreated from his recommendation. Uh, my father told me to uh, uh, know what you say, don't say what you know, so uh, I try to follow that on occasion. Well, it's exactly 9 o'clock, so I'm exactly on time on an execute. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Senator Spector. Thank you very much for your remarks. Uh, we are going to continue in this room. There have been a few schedule changes uh, that you could see posted out in the main promenade. We're going to continue in this room without a break with our panel on uh, executive power in wartime if our panelists could come on up.